You're listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We're a house that will empower you in your walk with Christ to get free, live free, and set others free. This is our Sunday service series. For more information, go to FHUS.org. Enjoy. Amen. All right, you may be seated. And uh, man, I want to thank Pastor Robert for those introductions. My goodness, man. Y'all recording those? I think I'm going to start playing those everywhere I go before I get up and preach. Amen. But we've been uh, friends a long time, man. I've seen uh, them go through so much uh, to be your pastors and be the men and women of God that you guys have before you. Like every church I go to is not pastored by a man or woman of God. They're pastored by good preachers. Come on. Good leaders, but they're not men and women of God. And so the, uh, you guys are blessed to have uh, two people that really love and care about you. And uh, I hope you value them correctly and honor them correctly. Amen. Amen. And because uh, they are very precious to me and my wife and uh, precious to the nations. Come on. Yes. And uh, what they carry is unique. Uh, and uh, it's not just for Santa Cruz, you know, but it's for the nations and the world. And uh, we're, we're blessed to call them friends. Yeah, we are. We don't have that many of them. Come on. Amen. <laughs> and so, uh, listen, uh, I came here today uh, with a word from God. I'm carrying a, a word because, you know, it, for what we do, you know, like your pastor just came from Ukraine. You know, Ukraine uh, and that's a war zone over there, of course. And uh, we were there feeding and helping people. We have a big uh, outreach there right now to the Christian believers uh, and doing our best to help people. Um, but we're in the business of transforming lives. Amen? And we transform people, and then we transform places with those people. And so that's the way God changes the area, changes. He has to change people first. Amen? And so as we go into this business of transformation, uh, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we're actually seeing lives transformed, that people change because this is the testimony that God is real, not that you changed your dress or you changed, you know, that you stopped cussing. Come on, amen. Yeah. Uh, carrying on on Saturday night and coming home drunk, you know, that's, that's a good, but that's behavior modification, right? And we want that, but that's not the proof that Christ lives, amen, that you were able to clean up your life. Uh, your identity is what God is trying to deal with more than anything else. And so we see this in Proverbs, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 12. Uh, this is the, the, the right of Romans chapter 2, 12, uh, verse 2 says this. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, God doesn't have three wills. Come on, amen. <laughs> it's not a good will, perfect will, acceptable will. What he's talking about there in that scripture, he's talking about your particular testimony, the testimony that you carry. And so the word transform is the word metamorpho, which is where we get the word metamorphosis from. And it's the same thing as when a caterpillar goes into a chrysalis, right? And it comes out a butterfly. Amen. It can never be a caterpillar again. Hallelujah. Right? But man, how many of us have gone to the conference and then gone to a retreat, come back on fire, but six weeks later, come on, amen, we can't get you back in here again. So the transformation we're looking for is not 
of polishing. When in the Second Chronicles, Rehoboam, one of the kings of Israel, when, uh, when the Solomon was king, they came and they ra- raided the treasury and they took away these solid gold shields that Solomon had made for the, the treasury. And they, and they took them and raided them. And so when Rehoboam came in, he thought, well, we can't do solid gold, so let's do brass and polish it up to look like gold. Because when brass is polished up, it looks like gold, but it's not. Amen? Amen? And so we must be careful with our Christian lives that we're not just polishing them up. Come on, amen? To look like gold, and so we have to keep polishing and keep polishing because we won't go through the process of allowing God to transform us. And so here's what it says here, Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a person, or, or, or as a, uh, he thinketh in his heart, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That word thinketh is the word estimate. As a word, as, the, as a, a person estimates themselves to be, so will they be. Now, here's what we do. If you got in a car crash or a wreck and you took your car to be repaired, uh, you don't go to the car guy and go, I think this whole fix-up thing and, and restoration of my car uh, to, to transform it from a wreck to something else, I want to pay about $50 for it. So there you go, 50 bucks, get, get busy. Because that's your estimate. Come on, amen? I think this should cost about $100, right? No, you take it to the expert, and the expert says, here's the estimate. And many times the things that we want to transform or change is so low level. Pastor Troy, pray for me that I'll quit smoking. Okay, but then what? You're still angry. Come on, amen. I just want to get over this depression. Okay, we'll pray, break that, get it off you. But what next? Because this is your estimate of what you want to clean up and polish up. But the king of kings has an estimate of what your life and your identity and what you're supposed to look like. And you got to get his estimate. But this is the problem. Proverbs says, as you estimate your life to be, so will your life be. Oh, amen. So we must recalibrate our thinking to understand that every problem that you have in your life right now is a identity problem. And God is trying to change your identity. Now, if I came up to Pastor Robert and I said, hey, do you want a cigarette? What would be your response be? No, thank you. Right? Yeah. He doesn't go. He doesn't say, well, no, I've, I haven't smoked in you know, 30 years. No, his thing is, I'm not a smoker, right? But when we come to people and we say, hey, you know, how, how long have you been free from alcohol? You don't say, I'm not an alcoholic, I don't drink. You say, seven years I've been free. Like you're counting the days until you go back to your old self. Because the identity hasn't changed. You're still identifying as a person hanging on, 
waiting for the day when you might go back to where you were and you're you know God's touched you, but you're not sure that it's transformed you. And so because the identity is still there. And so the enemy takes advantage constantly of the identity that we carry because we're not allowing God to change our identity. Come on now. Amen. It's like a thermostat, like we have two in our house. Come on. Amen. We have one on the bottom, one on the top, and I'm in charge, or I think I am. Come on. <laughs> so we set, we, set the, we set the thermostat in our home, 68 degrees, and so my wife likes to open windows all the time, and I'm like, the air's on, or the heat's, you know, heat's on. But when you open the window, what happens? The air conditioning kicks up, and it's going to bring that house, our home, to 68 degrees every single time. No matter if the windows are open, no matter if they're closed, no matter if it's hot outside, once we set that thermostat, it's going to 68 every single time. Come on, amen? And so your life and your identity is your thermostat. You could come here, Pastor Robert and Wendy can lay hands on you, pray, go through a great seminar like we did yesterday, and you go, oh my God, Pastor Troy, my life has been impacted, my life has been changed, so many things have happened, and I guess I, I'm, I feel different. And so the temperature raises in your life to 78, to 80 degrees, but you're still a 68er. So no matter how impactful you are, you're going back to 68 and so this is the cycle we have to be careful we don't get caught in as believers where we have these amazing seasons and times and things happen in our life. Missions trips we go on, things we do, and we raise the temperature. We come back on fire. We're 78, we 80, we 90 degrees. But internally, your identity is set to 68, so you're always going to go back to where your identity is. Internally, this is the mindset that we have. That if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to go bone deep into us and affect our identity, then no matter how many times you get a breakthrough, you'll have to live a life of breakthrough all the time. Until you finally break through and God doesn't want you at 68, he wants you at 100. And you got to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life to change the core temperature. Here's the deception. Many times things happen in our life and we go down to 58, 32. It's freezing. Come on. Amen. And we go, oh, my God, Pastor Troy, I got to get my life together. I got to get back in the church. I got to get my. And, but, and so it kicks in. Your identity kicks in and it brings you back up, but it will only bring you back up to 68. And so the deception is you're growing because you have these dips and you're able to bring yourself back up, but you're never going past 68. And so we feel like, yeah, things are better than what they were, but it's still 68. And God wants you at 100. Internally, you will never rise above your identity. No matter what you do. It is the reason where you are the way you are. Your identity is made by the sum total of all the things that you've allowed to affect who you are, how you think. The words are spoken over you. The family members that said things like, oh, you'll always be fat. You're not that. You're not this. And so those things have to be dealt with and have to be dealt with in a way where they're not just shoved to the side or shoved under the rug. 
but they're dealt with to the degree that you have removed them from your identity. I love this in Judges 6, right? Angel Lord comes. No, let me, let's, let's go to Ephesians 4, okay? Ephesians 4, verse 22. This is what Paul said to the Ephesians. He says that, that you put off, everybody say put off, concerning the former conversations, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitfulness of love. And then he says, put on and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind is your identity. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then put on, everybody say put on, on. the new man. Now, this is what happens in a church service like this. We hear a message and we go, good Lord, this is amazing. This is awesome, right? And we put on the new man, but we never take off the old man. So it's like a baby, right? Y'all seen babies and the diaper gets full and they'll just keep walking around with the diaper, right? And what if you as the parent, you go, oh, that diaper's starting to be a little smelly. So we take a new diaper and we put it over the old one. And it kills the smell for a little bit and then Oh, breaks through again. And it's, oh, yeah, uh, come, come here, little Johnny. And we put another diaper on. And then another diaper. And then another diaper. How many of you know after a while your baby's walking around with diapers on, but nothing's changed? This is what happens on a Sunday morning. We put on this new teaching, this new revelation, but we never allowed the Holy Spirit to take off the old one. So time goes by. And then you say, this whole Christian thing is not working. We have saints with sinner problems. And it's not the word. The word is working. Come on, amen. Your pastors are delivering every single Sunday. God is moving in your life. But you, the Bible says, I love this. It says you, he's talking to us. Put off the old way of thinking, the old identity. Stop embracing it. Stop telling people, well, you know how I am. Hmm? You know how I got that temper. You know how I get sometimes. That's you embracing an old identity. You know I don't do good with math. You know I'm not a good business person. You know how I got a little temper sometimes. How I am. You know how I get like this sometimes. You just got to leave me be. And if you love me, you'll understand me and you'll leave me alone. That's you embracing an identity that God is commanding you to put off. I love Judges 6. Now look at this now. Judges 6 verse 12. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, the Lord is with thee. This is talking about Gideon, right? When Gideon was uh, this identity he had, right? Is this lowly guy, an angel steps out of heaven. Now, you got to be careful with the word angel in the scriptures because many times they, they Jews cannot write the name of God. It's too precious to them. So when they were talking about God, many times they, would, they, they just can't do it. It's part of the thing. They can't write it. They, so they would say the word angel, but then you got to look. Is this, is this an angelic host or is this Malek Yahweh? Yeah. Malek Yahweh was a name, is a name for the p- 
presence of God, that God would step out of eternity at times and into a person's life. And he would speak a word to them as a father from heaven. They had no idea it was God. So they just called it an angel. But angels don't come and give commands. They come and give messages. Come on, they don't have that kind of authority. But this angel steps out and he says, the Lord is with thee, mighty man of valor. And Gideon looks at himself. He's hiding wheat on the threshing floor. He's scared to death, shaken, hoping that no one discovers him. And he's like, you, the guy going to go to war and win this country back. And it was an identity shift when Malek Yahweh steps into your life and says, this is who you are. Oh, hallelujah. One word from God can change your life forever. Malek Yahweh stepped into Abraham's life, Abram, and changed his name from Abraham, Abram to Abraham, the father of many nations. Genesis 32, come on. Jacob wrestled with a man. And it's an angel, Melek Yahweh, come on, wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his hip and put, pushed the joint out of place. And he wrestled with him and he said, let me go for the day is breaking. He said, I will not let you go except you bless me. You transform me. You give me the power in order to empower to to be a blessing and to change my life. And so this is what's going on many times in our life, that God is wrestling with us and we think it's the devil. God is wrestling in old identity and that word wrestle is the connotation of they rolled around in the dirt and they got dusty. And this is why later on he said, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. Change you. And some of you are getting dusty and you're struggling because God is wrestling in old identity. When he got done, he wasn't Jacob anymore. He was Israel. And he walked around like this all the time, right? Now, if, if you saw me walk in the door, you know, you know I, I walked normal, and all of a sudden, I walked in, and my hip's like this. What's the first thing you would say? What happened? Because something's different. I'm changed. And this is what God was demonstrating. When you allow God to wrestle with your old identity and change your life, everybody that sees you says, what happened? Are your friends saying what happened? You go to your family reunion, you go to Christmas, they go, what happened to you? You ain't like you. You you don't look the same. Something's different about you. You used to be like this. Now you're like this. Something is just shifted and transformed. And and now you're walking around. Everyone's like, what happened? Because that's. God shifting your identity. When he was done wrestling, he wasn't Jacob anymore. He was Israel. And that's God working in our life. When God said it's about to change your destiny, when God's about to change your destiny, he starts dealing with your identity. 
This is why people lose the same 40 pounds over and over again. This is why people cannot seem to get out of their financial things. They, their identity is at 68. This is me. I struggle with money. I struggle with this. I struggle with my identity, my self-esteem. I'm not that person that's pretty. I'm not that person that's handsome. I'm not the guy that's in shape. I'm not this. And we have all this internal dialogue all the time telling us. But God steps in, Melech Yahweh, and he says, this is who you are. If you will hear my voice, your life will be changed. And God And the struggle that you're having right now is God coming into your life because your destiny is about to shift. But he cannot shift it until he changes your identity because you'll get into the new season, the new phase of your life, but you're a 68er. And you feel it. Every one of us in this room is more than what we are right now. And the pastor gets up and he says, God has a better. My wife just said, don't live life small. Every one of us in this room felt that. Like, yes, that's, yeah, we know there's more than what we are, where we come from. And we dream because that's the proof of the Holy Spirit's work in our life, that we have dreams that go beyond our current stature and state. And we have this one day mentality. And that's God putting eternity and hope into our hearts. But God says, before I can bring you into all these things, God pushed the desires into your heart. Do you hear me now? He doesn't give you everything you want. He puts things into your heart. That's how you know. You pay attention. What you want right now is all God. He put it in there. He gives you the desires that you have in your heart right now. And you're like, God, when? God, how? When is it going to change? Where am I going to come up? When's my time? And God's like, your time is now, but let me get you out of this old identity because you'll wreck it. Come on. Amen. So we see the transformation, you know, somewhere. I love this. I looked this all. I looked all through the Bible to see this, but I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was shocked. But somewhere in this process, Saul became Paul. Come on. Amen. The Bible doesn't say when it happened, because we're process people, right? What are the steps? So I went in the scripture. I was like, what happened? Because we, we know he had encounters with God, and we know his life was impacted, and he was murdering people. Like, this is, I mean, you understand Saul? Come on, amen. Saul was going into homes, and he was telling a wife and a husband and kids. He would say to the, to the wife, if you don't renounce Christ, I'm, we're going to kill your kids. And take them to the arena, feed them to the lions. And she'd be like, no, bye, kids. And the kids, he'd take the kids. And then he'd turn to the husband and say, if you don't renounce Christ, we're going to murder your wife right here in front of you. And he's like, been nice knowing you, baby. <laughs> and this confounded Paul. But this, these are the tactics that this man was using. And this is a, this is a messed up dude. Come on, amen. So how do you go from that guy... 68 degrees to writing two thirds of the New Testament. Saul to Paul. The Bible doesn't say how that happened. It only gives us one scripture. And I believe that one scripture is the key to everything. In Acts chapter 13, verse 9, it says, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled 
with the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. No program. No steps. Come on, amen. No seven keys to your breakthrough. The Holy Ghost being allowed to penetrate areas of your life and heal your broken identity. You let him in. Somewhere in this journey, Paul let him in. Paul stopped making excuses for his behaviors. Well, as you know how where I came from, you know my parents, how they were. That's why I did it. That's why I'm the way that I am. You know, I, you know I, you'd be angry too if you went to what I went through. And we have to totally jettison and get rid of the idea that we are somehow victims of our past. Victimhood gives us so much power. Gives us power over people. They have to leave you alone. Come on, amen. But what did did Jacob say? He says, I'm not going to leave you alone until you bless me. Come on. I'm not going to let this stuff go anymore. I'm not going to allow my old identity to keep dogging my tracks and keep me stuck. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in my life and begin to quit agreeing with him the old ways. I'm going to quit agreeing with the past. Yes, it's horrible. You have our deepest uh, sympathies. You have our deepest condolences for what's gone on and what you've lost. But now God is asking, is it okay if we begin to change things? The Holy Spirit is the only hope we have of an identity change. Come on, amen. I love the story of Blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10. Come on. Blind Bartimaeus is a beggar. Come on. And he, this is what happened. Jesus is coming, and they came to Jericho. This is verse 46 of Mark 10. They came to Jericho, and as he went off to Jericho and his disciples, a great number of people, uh, and blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that Jesus was of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Come on. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he kept, this is the part, 50, come on, verse 50, casting aside his garment. Took me a while to figure this out, why this was so significant. The Bible never leaves anything out for a reason. There's no reason for that verse to be in there. Casting aside his garment, casting aside his garment, he followed Jesus. Why do we need to know he threw off his coat? Come on, amen? So in the Jewish custom, if you were born, you had to be born blind. And, and if you were born blind, then they would come and they would you know, examine you and they would give you a coat that the priest would say, this isn't some charlatan, this isn't some dude, this is a person because there was a benevolence written into the scriptures. So the Jews had an obligation to help those that were blind. And so they would make sure that these weren't just grifters and people you know, handing out stuff but, or just trying to get money, but they were really genuinely blind. And so you would get a special garment from the priest in the temple. So when Jews would come by, they would see the garment and they would go, oh, this is a legit dude. Let's give him our benevolence money. Let's give it to him. And so by Bartimaeus was doing pretty good with this coat. Come on, amen. But when Jesus came... He's like, it's time to shift my identity. 
Come on now. And he said, I'm not going to need this coat anymore. It's a part of my old identity. So he took off. I mean, can you imagine? Come on, amen. Cast it aside and just pff, done with this life, done with this thinking, done with this way of doing things. And I'm coming into a new place in my identity. I'm not going to be blind Bartimaeus anymore. Everywhere he went, there's blind Bartimaeus. There's angry Susie. Come on, amen. There's jacked up Jack. Come on, amen. Yeah, you don't know that, but your friends got little names for you. Come on. <laughs> friends and coworkers, you don't know what they call you, but oh, that's, that's angry Susie coming. Oh, angry Susie's coming. Come on. Amen. Everywhere he went. That's not Bartimaeus. That's blind Bartimaeus. And he became a part of his identity. But when Jesus entered his life and the power of the Holy Spirit was going to become, he understood you cannot keep the old garments and, and your identity that's connected to them. Your identity is a collection of ungodly beliefs that shape your negative identity. These are ungodly things that you believe about yourself, God, and others. It's how you relate to the world. The problem is that this is so ingrained and internal. It's like a mechanism like that thermostat. You'll never, your, 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 your mind can't take you rising above the, the 68 until you raise the temperature. You will reconcile that somehow. You ever seen this? People win the lottery, two, three million, five, 50 million, could be 100 million. Three years later, they're broke again. Because their identity was that of a poor person, no matter how much money they had. They'll find a way to get back to 68. How many of us in this room have been through so many deliverances, so many things broken off our life? So many times God has showed up in such a powerful way, but we found our way back to 68 again. You can't do that too many times before you lose hope. Come on. God transforming your life. Is he able to? He's more than able to, but you've got to put off. Come on. Throw aside the garment. You've got to say enough is enough. And people come, and I, this is what we do, you know? We have a finally free seminar we do. People come to us all the time, like your pastors, and you help me get free, Pastor Troy. And so I say, what does freedom mean to you? I ask them, what does that look like? Can you describe it? And inevitably what people describe is not freedom, it's relief. I just want to stop X, Y, and Z. But you don't know why X, Y, and Z is there. Come on. It's your identity. And so we're all the time after the behavior, the behavior, behavior modification. Stop, I want to stop doing this. I want to stop feeling like this. I want to stop acting like this, Pastor Troy. I want to stop doing these kinds of things. I want to stop feeling this way all the time, Pastor Troy. And so we can help you with that. And then what's going to happen? Because you're still 68 er. So we'll get you the relief. We'll get you out of that. We'll get you up. Come on. Amen. We have authority over demonic things that might be dogging your tracks. But the idea here is, is that relief is not transformation. It's just relief. You feel better. Come on. Amen. 
behaviors a little bit better. And people go around. That's their testimony. I used to be a prostitute. Hallelujah. You're not a prostitute anymore. But who are you now? Come on, you got to listen for that. Because it could just be a behavior modification. And they can't explain because they don't know what the new identity is. And they assume they got the estimate. It's a $100 estimate. Come on, amen? But God knows, no, the estimate's too small. It's, it's $80,000. Fix that. Come on, amen? And we never have the resources for it, so we need God's help. Amen? I want to show you this is the powerful way that God deals with us and our identity. And every one of us in this room has access to it. Every single one of us can see our lives transformed because we have a Father in heaven. Amen? Listen to this now. Luke chapter 3. I shared this yesterday in the seminar, but this is the, this is the, this is the key. You want the master key to changing your identity? I'm going to give it to you right now. All right? This is Luke chapter 3. All right? Jesus is coming down to be baptized by John the Baptist. Right? This is before his ministry starts. And he's there being baptized, and it comes up out of the water, and it says the Holy Ghost descended upon in a bodily shape. He comes out of the water, a dove, the presence of God comes in the shape of a dove, I think. This is what it's saying upon him. And a voice. Everybody say a voice. voice. That voice is everything. In my life, in your life, that voice is the only thing that can shift your identity. A voice into your life made your identity, and a voice into your life can shift your identity. How many of y'all hear your father's voice in your ear all the time telling you're not good enough, you're not going to make it? That's a voice. That voice created your bad identity. You hear your mom every time you put on a pair of jeans. Hmm? Every time your money's tight, you hear your dad. We never, we're not rich folk. We don't do things like that. You hear a voice all the time. That a voice established your identity. So a voice from heaven comes and tells Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The identity of a son came from heaven and into Jesus's life. Now he knew he had the identity, but the people didn't know. And he was demonstrating something here from being baptized to this, that the that identity only comes from your father in heaven speaking into your life. Now, this is powerful because before Jesus healed a person, before he cast out one demon, before he healed one sick person, before he did any of these things, God loved him enough to give him an identity. And we think, well, I'm going to work my way into a new identity. I'm going to be a good servant and do all these things. But God says, before you touch the thing, before you preach the thing, before you serve, before you do anything, I'm well pleased with you. Now, here's why this is powerful. You jump right over to Luke chapter 4, and the Bible says Jesus was led into the wilderness. One verse says he was driven into the wilderness. And so it's like God, the Holy Spirit was behind him and in front of him, pulling him and pushing him in there. Come on. <laughs> First thing that comes up, the devil in Luke 4, when he tempts Jesus, he says, if you be the son of God. The first challenge that Jesus faced was to his identity. If you be 
He just said who he was. God knew what was coming, so he spoke out of heaven, you are my beloved son. You see, that's how God prepares you for what's next. He always shifts you into a new identity. Because he knows that's the devil's number one tactic to stop every one of us in this room. You're not this. And so you have a whole generation of people that says, it's okay to be this, it's okay to be that, instead of understanding that's a false identity propagated on them by the enemy. And everyone's cheering the false identity on all the time. I identify as a cat. I identify as a man. And I'm a woman. And this, and they always, and everyone's like, yeah, do what you want to do. And it's so unbelievably horrible that the identity they take on is nothing like the identity of their father's voice into their life. But they're going to be encouraged to embrace a false identity. And everyone just says, oh, we love them. Just love them anyway. No, I'm fighting for that generation. I want God to speak through me and tell them that just you're more than this. Come on. The identity that God has for us can be established through the power of the Holy Spirit and the voice of God. What you hear consistently and what you repeat consistently is what will affect your identity. What is your inner dialogue in this room right now? Come on, amen. Is it always negative about yourself, what you can do, what you accomplish? You need to hear your father's voice. You need to every morning when you wake up, and I'm telling you this is so powerful. I do this all the time, and I broke through some negative identity things by just listening. You know, we always pray, but we're always like, God, do this, God, do that. But you need to hear your father's voice. What you hear consistently enough and loud enough is what you're going to become. But we don't practice here. You get up in the morning. God, what is your word for me today? What is it? It could be something so simple. You are my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That gets into your spirit. Your whole life begins to shift. So this is a challenge we give to people, you know, for the next seven days. Get up in the morning before your feet hit the floor. You pray, Holy Spirit, thank you for being with me. Father, what do you say to me today? What do you say about me today? Now, you know what you say about him. Come on, amen? Yeah. We give him praise. We give him glory. We know who he is. We talk about who he is. Come on. But he's also a father. He wants to speak out of heaven and into your life to establish your identity. What does he say about you? And don't give me the, listen now, don't give me the religious. He says, I'm God's, I'm God's princess. <laughs> or you quote scriptures that, about what God, I'm the head and not the tail. God will speak something into you. To establish a new identity as a father. What your parents couldn't do or didn't do or did it in the wrong way. Now you have a father in heaven that will establish it a completely different way. But you've got to hear your father's voice. 
People sit here sometimes and they say, Pastor Troy, I can't hear God. I, I, I have a struggle. That's a part of your identity. That says you just can't. Yes, you can. Because he's longing to speak to you. You just got to give ear to a father, not to a rebuke, not to a correction. You know, folks are so good at hearing him correct them on everything and how bad they are all the time. And you don't understand. That's your voice. That's not his voice. Amen. But his voice is going to speak a word about you out of heaven. Come on. And the Holy Spirit will descend upon your life like a dove and shift your entire identity. He's wrestling with us. Come on. Amen. Wanting to put that hip out of place. Come on. Amen. (laughs) Your friends see you. haven't seen you in months. But what happened to you? It's different. That's the, that's the fruit that our life has been transformed. The people that knew us, they don't know us anymore because you're not that person anymore. They have a hard time relating to you and they want to pull you back to what they are, 68 or, but you're like, no, I can't go back there. I am a butterfly now. Can't run with the caterpillars no more. Shift our focus now from behavior modification. I just want to get out of this. I just want to break out of this. I just want to stop this behavior and begin to shift your focus on your identity as a son, as a daughter of God. What does that mean? What is God speaking to you about that? Your self-esteem is connected to your identity. Your ability to, to walk as a believer is connected to your identity. Your consistency is connected to your identity. Who you are not is much more than what you have become, and it's all connected to your identity. And God is here today as the power of the Holy Spirit is moving in this place to shift you out of that thinking. With yourself, you cannot do it. But with God, I'm telling you, you do this for five days, you'll begin to see things completely different. Write it down. This is what God says about me. So when the enemy comes to speak to you, you open up that notebook like, this is who I am. You never get discouraged what you do. Come on. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake. I, I guess I'm back to 68. Well, move it up. Come on, amen. And see transformation. That's what our goal is not behavior modification, but real transformation in your life. You're going to get what you ask for. You're going to get what you go after. So we got to stop pursuing getting better, getting out of these problems, Stop doing this. I want to stop yelling so much. I want to stop being so angry. I want to stop feeling like this. That's relief. That's not transformation. If you want to change your life, you've got to change your identity. Throw off the beggar's garment. Come on. And move into a new place. Come on, stand up with me now. Hallelujah. Have our piano player come. Let's take a minute. We're at the end here. Oh, God, if I could just lay hands on everybody, I'd break the old identity off you. I could just lay hands and impart a new one to you. My goodness, I would love to do that. But that's not how this works. So I'm going to ask you for just one moment to not be religious right now. And this is what happens when we get into the zone. We, gotta, we feel like we got to work for our Father's voice. 
So we start, Orakata, yeah, hey, and we start all the stuff to try to work it up because we don't understand that God is poised on the edge of heaven, wanting to say something that He's been longing to speak to you for a very, very long time. So just for a minute now, come on, get rid of all that religious thinking, that works mentality, and just hear your father's voice. Some of you have already begun to hear it. In the middle of this message, he started wrestling with you. He started trying to get you to lift up your head again and stop saying, this is who I am. This is my lot in life. My problem, my issue, I've just learned how to walk with it. It's just who I am now. I've learned to embrace it. You're embracing a wrong identity. Don't do that. Your father wants to speak and you've got to unmarry. You've got to divorce this old identity. That's an ugly word in the house of God. Come on, amen. We don't like it. But that's exactly what you have the mentality of. You have to divorce it. And you've got to open up your heart to the power of the Holy Spirit. Saul became Paul through the power of the voice of God in his life. There was no steps. It was just one thing. God says, you are my beloved son who I'm well pleased so right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask you the question, do you even know the Lord? <laughs> Can, do you even know you have a Father in Heaven? If not, let's pray together right now for you to, to ask God into your life. Tired of struggling, tired of being stuck, tired of dealing with the problems. If you could have defeated it, you would have done it a long time ago. You cannot, not on your own. And so we access the grace of salvation through humility and saying, God, I need a savior. That I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. So right here, right now, just pray this with me really quickly. Everybody in the room, say, Father, I need you. I ask you to come into my life. And I ask to come into your life. I'm a sinner. Please save me. I believe you are the Son of God, died on the cross for my sins, and I ask you to come into my life, and I thank you for saving me. Just be still now. Nobody talking, nobody moving. Just take a minute. It only takes a minute, a few moments. For one word to come out of heaven. The heavens are opening over your life right now. And your father stands up off this throne and comes to the edge of heaven to speak into your life through the power of his Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Speak to the people. Sons and daughters are here. We need to hear your voice, Father. Feel him in this place. Presence of the Father. Not the presence of Jesus. Not the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Father is so unique. Listen, listen, listen to what he's saying.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, look at me now. How many people heard something? How many people heard something? Oh, I wish we had time. I'd take the microphone so people can hear it, you know? So what we'll do in our seminar, we'll let people like, what did God say? What did God speak? Because that word is not just for you. It's for everybody in the room. Come on, amen. He doesn't have any favorites. Come on, amen. Imagine this feeling you have right now. Come on. That the shift that you just felt in your identity, your head's up, you're feeling loved. Come on. You're feeling like you're somebody different. You're feeling God is moving in your life. How about that feeling every single day as God keeps shifting you into a new identity? It doesn't have to be in this moment. It has to be when you're struggling and you're feeling like I can't change. Stop and listen to your father's voice. Ask him, Lord, what do you, what do you say about me today? What, do you, what, is your, what is your vision? I had visions come to me when I do this sometimes. And God says, this is how I see you. And those are so powerful, I begin to weep. And I'm thinking, my goodness, that's who I am. Come on. Come on, give God a good clap in here now. You've been listening to the Freedom House Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like more information about our house, please visit our website, fhus.org. Thanks again for tuning in. And please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family. See you next time.